Good morning. <clears throat> Would you please uh, bow your heads with me? Uh, let me just start us off in prayer. Father, I, I thank you that in these past month, you've really been blessing our, our time in the Bay Area. But Lord, as, as you know, I, I didn't want to just come and um, say hello to people. I wanted to encourage them in Christ. And I'm just realizing my limits. I, I can't do it without your help. So here I am, uh, just asking you for help. Um, there is so much in Christ to be encouraged by. Help us to, uh, to be strengthened and to be touched by you this morning, by your words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. Can you all hear me? <clears throat> So I, um, I have been in the Bay Area for about a month, and I, I got to say, I, I was here, and um, actually, Sylvia was asking me, hey, did you, how was the CLC experience? And, uh, and so I just wanted to share with you all my experience. Like, I was sitting right there in the pews, and I just was so um, overwhelmed, honestly, I just felt like, wow, the, the worship was so full, the preaching was so faithful, and the welcome was so warm. And then I was just looking around at this beautiful place and just thinking like, wow, right? And, and let me tell you a reason why I was just thinking, wow. Uh, it's because when I used to be a pastor here, uh, we were looking for a church. And then I was told by people who know what they're talking about, that is just impossible, right? I don't know, given our, our budget, which wasn't too bad, but our, our needs and, uh, and really the, 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 the price and the marketing here in the Bay Area, just, it's just impossible. Just forget about it. Just think about all this stuff. And so we did, right? And then here I am in Taiwan hearing about everything that's going on in Layman, and it's like, what? I thought that was impossible. What happened? And so I, I think the commonality is that God made it possible. Like during this season of time, God had something very special for, you, for all of us, but for you guys. And what was like yesterday impossible, today is possible, right? Which kind of makes you go like, I bet you there's things right now that we're saying, oh yeah, 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 that's, that's not possible. And, and tomorrow... By the grace of God, it can be possible. There's a brother who's giving me an amen. I love that. <laughs> you can all feel free to do that. That's cool. <clears throat> there, there, I know that Christian Layman Church, there's, there, there's always transition. There's always change. I know that. There was always change and transition when I was a pastor here. But there's one consistency which is that God has provided in the past. God has provided in this past season. And you know in the next season, you know who's going to provide? God is going to be faithful in the next season too. Amen? <clears throat> One thing uh, I was talking with Raina this morning just about how much we appreciate our church, and especially our leaders. And I think God, it, maybe it's something here in the spiritual DNA that, that goes back to Jimmy Coyde and Pastor Wayne, but there is such a spirit of faithfulness at CLC. There is such a spirit 
of generosity. There is such a spirit of loving service. And, and so, especially to all of our church, but especially to our leaders, I just want to say, hey, you guys are running in a great race. Keep on going. You're doing well. Keep on going. So uh, today is the third installment in a mission series about lessons from the life of Paul. Now, last week, um, Scott talked about the crucial work of preparation. And then next week, Stephen will talk about finishing well. And today, my topic is about surviving, (laughs) just surviving in ministry. But first, I probably need to define, when you say ministry, what are you talking about? What do you mean ministry? Oh, Pastor Andrew, you have a ministry. You know, uh, Pastor Ben, Pastor, all the pa- they have ministries. I, I don't really have a ministry. But one of my heroes of the faith, the late Tim Keller, defines ministry as this, an opportunity to love and serve other people. Now, can I ask you, church family, do you all have an opportunity to love and serve other people? The answer is, obviously, yes. Do you have an opportunity to meet other people's needs? That's a ministry. Do you have an opportunity to contribute to the well-being of individuals and society as a whole? Yes, that's your ministry. Maybe your ministry is at work. Maybe it's outside of work. Maybe it's in the church. Maybe your ministry has something to do with your role. You're a mom, you're a dad, you're a a son, you're a daughter, you're a grandpa, you're a grandma. You know where I'm going with this, right? And you're called to love the person next to you or the person of your ministry. That is your ministry. So do we all have ministries? Yes, you all have ministries. Okay, so the question today is what do you do when your ministry becomes laboring? What do you do when your ministry becomes a grind? What do you do when the cost is high and it seems like the rewards are, high, are small? You, you know that God has called you to do this and to walk in this direction, but the day is long and the work is hard and you feel like giving up. How do you keep on keeping on? That's the question for today. And I'm sure we've all been there. I'm sure we've all been there. It's called a long obedience in the same direction. Two years ago, God called our family to leave everything behind in America and to become missionaries in Taiwan. Uh, People have been asking us, like, How'd that go? And if I'm really honest with you, I always say the first year was absolutely terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Now, why was it absolutely terrible? Well, for one, we had no friends. So we were really, really lonely. Number two, my Mandarin just not very good. And so in every situation, in every conversation, I just felt like the village idiot. You know, I I just, it's this constant state of helplessness. It wasn't very fun. But there was more. It was, uh, everything was, was felt so foreign. And so we were struggling with our mental health. You know, there was anxiety, there was depression, there was even worse. And so for the first six months, 
I would um, take the bus to work, and I would have the same conversation in my mind. It would always start off with, what am I doing here? It's like that. In Chinese, it would be, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And maybe I might even add, like, you know, I felt like in the Bay Area, I felt like I was somebody. I had a role. And here I am, like, in the prime of my life in Taiwan, and I feel like a nobody. Oh, I graduated to become a nobody. What am I doing here? So let me repeat the question. What do you do when the day is long and the work is hard and you feel like you don't have much joy in the work? There's no thank you notes. There's no applause. How do you keep on keeping on? Now, I I will say that during that first year, um, I had an assignment, which was preparation for the next year. But my assignment was to actually prepare for some talks about the prayer life of Paul. So I studied, 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 did some research, did a deep dive on Paul. And what I realized is these amazing lessons that kind of carried me through these two years. Now, what I'd like to do today is share at least four of these lessons with you today. But first, I just want to establish why Paul is such an amazing model. He's such an amazing man of God to learn from. Now, I'm just going to give you maybe two glimpses, like a picture um, of what Paul was like and why we should learn from Paul. After all, this uh, series is about lessons from Paul. Okay, let me give you one example. If you go to the the book of Philippians, if you don't know the the background, actually, no, if you do know the background, you're going to be really, really surprised. You might be even shocked. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the context. So when Paul was penning this letter, it was to an actual church. He was penning the letter in jail. Next to, right by his side, was a prison guard. I don't know, maybe they were like linked together with an iron chain. Maybe Paul around his wrist had an iron chain. Maybe around his feet, there was an iron chain. Now, during this time as he's penning this letter, he's awaiting trial. So at any moment, at any day, the Roman government would take him to trial. He could be sentenced. He could be sentenced to death. He could lose his life very, very soon. He makes this very clear in the letter that that's the situation. Now, I don't know about you, but I know myself, or at least I know myself these two years in Taiwan, and I know that if if I were to dip a quill into the, the pen bottle and write a letter, out would come anxiety and fear, and how about more anxiety and fear? But you open up this letter, I don't know what you're expecting, but what you see in this letter is Paul, unmistakably, Paul is bursting with irrepressible, unflappable, unstoppable joy. Joy. Like, I wasn't expecting to find joy. What is joy doing here? And so when I read this letter, I think it's it's saying something to every Christian. That no matter what circumstance we're in, in Christ, we have many, many reasons for this irrepressible, unflappable joy. And so I'm like, okay, Paul, I, I, I need to learn from you. Because right now, what's not coming out is joy. What, what are you doing, Paul, that I can learn from? 
And I want to be like that. I'll give you another example of Paul that makes him just such an amazing um, model of faith. In the city of, of Lystra, or maybe it's Lystra, in um, Acts chapter 14, what you see is that Paul is preaching the gospel to this city. And at first they really receive him, but then there's this miscommunication, and then some Jews come and stir up the crowds, and now the crowds are very angry at Paul. They're furious. At, they are violently furious at Paul. What do they do? They pick up stones from the ground, and they throw them at Paul. Now, at this moment, I imagine you're going to protect what's... You're going to protect your head. So Paul's protecting his head, which means that other parts of his body are left vulnerable. He is pelted with stones. He collapses on the ground. He's motionless. People just assume that he's dead. So one of them just kind of drags Paul out and others help him. And they drag him out to the city and they leave him. They leave him to die. Well, they think he's already dead. They leave him for the vultures. Now what happens is that Paul's friend hears about Paul's fate. They go, they gather around Paul. They're they're so relieved to find that he is breathing. Paul sits up and he goes to a nearby city, day number two. Now the point I want to emphasize here is what does he do on day number two? What would you do on day number two? What we find Paul doing in Acts 14 on day number two is he is preaching the gospel again. Again? Really? Right? I, I think, again, if that were me, I would, I would feel like, I don't need this in my life. I mean, this job, I didn't know this job was so dangerous, so many occupational hazards. Please, you know? Or at least I want an extended vacation. Day number two, Paul's preaching the gospel. He is relentless. He will not stop. He is driven. Okay, I need to learn from this man. What Paul... How can you do that on day number two? What, what drove him? What was inside him? What made him tick? What moved him? And, and, and uh, today, I mean, this honestly is what this series is about. Today, I'm going to give you four lessons. Four lessons that I learned from Paul. Four lessons that I applied in Taiwan. Four lessons that actually kept me alive in ministry. Okay? So I'm going to try to go through this pretty quickly, and then the rest of the message is just explaining each of these points. Okay, number one, remember that all ministry is done by, what's the next word? It's done by faith. Remember that all ministry is done by faith. You're like, I get that. Well, let me unpack that in just a bit, okay? Number two, rejoice in the Lord because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Rejoice in the Lord because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Number three, measure all things with an eternal perspective. Number four, preach the gospel often, especially blank, blank. I'll unpack that in a little bit, okay? Four lessons. Number one, remember that ministry, all ministry, all ministry, everything you do is done by faith. Now, I got to tell you that in Taiwan, I spent a lot of time thinking about this one. And I, I think what released this idea is one particular verse. Now, granted, it's all throughout Scripture, and Paul talks about the importance of faith all throughout his letters, but this one really kind of floored me, this verse. Now, I think if you really think about it, it's pretty shocking. Uh, But let me set this up. This is Romans 14, 23. 
And uh, here's a little bit of the context. Paul is writing to a church that has uh, both vegans and carnivores, okay? I know in our church, we lean more one way, right? A, A lot more one way, right? But in this church, they had vegans and they had carnivores. And Paul is trying to get everyone to get along. And so he's walking people through how they should think. Not just what they should do, but how they should think. So Paul basically, in the verse prior to this one, is saying, hey, it's not good for a person to do something like eat something that doesn't flow from faith. Now he's going to double down on this concept, but he introduces a blanket statement, a very powerful principle. He says this. It's almost like, in fact, he says this, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Pam remembers, because I I talk with her every week, I was like, I was really like thinking about this verse because it has so many profound implications. Whatever. Now let me just highlight a few words, okay, and then bring it all together. Whatever. Whatever means that in everything you do, in all the ways that you love and serve and treat other people, which is ministry, whatever that does not proceed from faith. Well, what do you mean by faith? Well, faith that God is good. Faith that God is present. Faith that God will provide what you need. Faith that tomorrow's uncertainties, you know the things that we're worried about? God's grace will meet you tomorrow, so you don't need to worry about them. Faith. Now, now Paul says, whatever doesn't come from faith is sin. Okay. Now this moment we're like, well, gosh, I think a lot of things that I do are not really coming from faith. Which means that maybe we can like reject this verse, reject this principle, or we can start making some changes so that in our lives more and more things are being done from this rock solid belief that God is good and God is present and God will provide. And you don't need to worry about tomorrow because God has that covered. And Paul says, if it's not coming from faith, well, it's, it's sin. It, it does not glorify God. Or maybe in the context of this sermon, I can say, hey, it's no true ministry. It must come from faith. The implications of that are huge. So your ministry, the place where you're in right now, is, are you moving with a rock-solid belief that God will provide? I think that's a really challenging question. I'll tell you, in Taiwan, I was challenged with that same question. Last year, my director comes up to me and says, Hey, Andrew, how would you feel about teaching a class or two or three? in Mandarin. I said, um, what class? She says, um, you know, reading the Bible. I'm like, I like that. She says, okay, well, the first class will be like, you know, 30 minutes. Second class, you know, be an hour. Third class will be two hours. I don't know what happened at that moment. I was like, yeah, yeah. I just got so excited about, you know, teaching about reading the Bible. I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So I went home and I sat on the couch and then a funny thing happened. I sat on the couch and it hit me. There's no way I can preach three and a half hours in Mandarin. No, I, look, I go to the local 7-Eleven, order a cup of coffee. I don't understand what the person is talking about. How am I supposed to teach for three and a half hours? So I made, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up my phone. I'm going to call my director and just say, you know about that, me saying yes? There's no way I can do it. There's no way I can do it. Ask someone else. Now at that moment... You know, like, I, I, I thought, okay, well, at least, Andrew, you can sit down and pray about it before you make that call. And so, okay, okay, I'll pray about it. But I already know the answer. I can't, right? So I, I prayed about it. I, I opened the scriptures. I thought about that verse. I thought about other verses. And at that moment, it was very much like God was saying to me, Andrew, I know you feel like you can't do it. I know you feel like your language ability is not enough. But do you believe that I can help you? <laughs> I was like, well, Lord, if you frame it like that, yes. And then that was it. Okay, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm here in Taiwan living by faith. Let's do this thing. Now, I, I got to say, it's not like Let's do this thing. I didn't study. Okay, it wasn't like that. Believe me, I studied. Like, my mom is my help. I called her like three times a day. Mom, help me with Chinese, please hurry. You know, but I studied. I worked. I studied. And then a month went by. It was time. It was time to give the messages. I taught for half an hour. Was it pretty? No. But it was clear. And then my director came up to me and said, hey, good job. Keep going. So then the next week, I taught for an hour. An hour! Was it pretty? No. <laughs> but it was clear. And then the next week, I preached for two hours in Mandarin. And then afterwards, I'm talking to my friend, right? And I'm just sharing about what happened. And I'm like, you know, um, two months ago, I said it was impossible. But through God's power, I just did that which I said was impossible, but God said was possible. It feels good to live on faith. And that is how ministry is done, according to Paul. That's how everything is done. Belief that God is with you, that God is good, that God will provide. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. God's grace will meet you there. That's faith. And God calls us to live and to do our ministry on faith. Okay, that's the first lesson that I learned from Paul. And Paul said, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. I just want you to remember that verse. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. You can hang a lot on that verse. Lesson number two, what I learned from Paul. Here it is. Cultivate joy. Cultivate joy. Why? Actually, it was Nehemiah that said, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. But if you're losing strength and you feel like you can't go on and you have no love to give this person that you're called to give, then let 
the joy of the Lord be your strength. Now, a, a lot of Christians in Taiwan, I think this is safe to say Christians in Taiwan because then it takes the heat off of us. A lot of Christians in Taiwan, they probably don't believe that joy is all that important. Joy, duh. What's important is faithful, obligatory duty. They wouldn't say that, but they would just say doing it is important. Being faithful is important. Joy, ah, I don't need to do it with a smile. Let me just throw this at you. I believe that if you aim for joyful, joyful obedience, you will get something called sustainability. I think you'd be able to do that ministry for a long, 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 long time. If you just aim for getting it done, maybe even joylessly, I don't know. You might do it for a while. But my point is that you were built for joy. That, that's, why, that's why Paul said, God loves a what giver? A cheerful giver. Now listen, I, I can give you a lot of arguments for joy, but maybe this is the best one, which is Paul thought it was important. Paul really emphasized it. Not just that you would do the faithful ministry, but that you would do it with joy. And that joy would be in your heart. And if someone were to like cut you, you would bleed joy. And you believe me? All right. Well, that, I told you about the about Philippians. Uh, here goes. This is chapter 3, uh, verse 1. This is Paul. He says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. I, I guess you already said it before because you said the same thing. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me. And is safe for you. Now, uh, let me just right here give you a little bit of uh, context. In that day and age, if you want to emphasize something, you want to say, hey, this is really important, how would you do it? Now, right now, if you want to say, hey, this is really important, what do you do? You underline it, you capitalize it, you bold it. I don't know, you put a little emoji on it. You, you, you know, you put like a... Uh, 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 exclamation mark. My, my English is, is leaving me, right? <laughs> my, my Chinese is coming in. My English is leaving. An exclamation mark. This is really important. Okay, back then, what do you do to say, hey, this is really important? It's like what my mom does. You just say it over again. And you say it over again. Okay, verse, chapter 4, verse 4. Okay, he already said rejoice. Now look at this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I, okay, so this is what, the second time? It's like, hey, if you didn't get me in the first time, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice in the, and if you didn't get me the second time, I'm going to say it a third time. I, again, I will say, rejoice. Okay, Paul, this is really important. He continues. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Church, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. What's thanksgiving? With a grateful heart. With an attitude that's cultivating joy. With an attitude that is relentless about finding what is good and saying, God, thank you for that. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, 
Finally, okay, so here's the climax, okay? What has is, what is Paul been talking about? Cultivating joy. Brothers, whatever is pure, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. So, so here Paul is introducing a very important truth here, which is that our joy is connected to our thought life. Our joy is connected to what we choose to think about. Our joy is connected to what we put in our heart and our mind and dwell on. Paul is saying we must intentionally put our minds on whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Now, I get it. There's a lot of pain in the room. Maybe some of you are like, no, 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 my life is just, there's, there's pain at every side. Now, I want you to imagine that at this moment, there are plenty of things that are not happening right. There's plenty of pain at this moment. But I also want you to imagine that at this moment, there's also plenty of good things to think about. I just imagine that Paul enters into this situation where you have good things happening to you, you have bad things happening to you, and Paul is saying, yes, 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 but you have a choice. Which one are you thinking about? Where are you putting your mind? Where are you dipping your mind? What are you dwelling on? Because if you dwell on all the horrible things, then you will produce anxiety, you will fret, you will worry. But if you stay your mind on what is positive and good and true and holy and right, then you are cultivating joy. Um, at, At Radius, the organization that we work for, we, we have um, Wayne and Gail are um, our directors. I don't know if you heard their story, but they, um, they labored in Papua New Guinea, and they planted a church. And it really came from a lot of blood and a lot of sweat, but they planted a church among an unreached people group. And then when the, the job was done, they, they moved back to the uh, States, and then Gail found out that she had a reoccurrence of cancer, a cancer in her bones. But that didn't stop her. They still went to Taiwan, and they planted this new school where we work at. It's called Radius Asia. And among our teachers, Gail probably teaches the most. But one thing I want you to understand is that we will see Gail, like, pretty much every day, get up in front of the class and just, and just, you know, teach her course. But she's smiling and she's joyful. And you could never tell that inside she has cancer. But she says that she's cracking jokes, she's smiling, she's just... So one of the classes that she teaches is on suffering. And she'll get up here and she'll tell all the students that suffering is normative. She'll say things like, hey, 
Today, focus on the next right thing to do. And then tomorrow, just know that God's grace will be there to meet you. Now, she's saying all this to our class, and inside she has cancer in her bones, and she's dying. But there's this, like, irrepressible, unflappable joy. Now, I I, I know that we, we look at the Apostle Paul, and we're like, you know... Right, he's in jail and he's praising God and he's beaming with the truth. Because that's the Apostle Paul. But you know, there are people like Gail that show me, no, 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 no. This actually is for all believers. No matter what situation you're in, because of the gospel, you can stay your mind. You can dwell in all the things that are good. And you can have this irrepressible, unflappable, unmistakable joy. So, why is it important to cultivate joy? I want to give you like uh, maybe a couple more examples. I think for me, um, there's the place where I could really use some joy, but it's really like kind of connected to one of my own struggles in Taiwan. It's really just learning Mandarin. I feel like learning Mandarin is like climbing Mount Everest. Now, I don't know if you know much about the Mandarin language, but maybe, maybe one part because it's a tonal language, you know? Uh, it's a completely different grammar. Like, you know, like, it's, so by tonal, I mean like, ma, 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 right? And then each sound, you know, the compiled with that, that one character means something different. Like I just said, I think I just said horse and skull, right? In the ma, 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 right? So it's just a very confusing language for me. So what I can do is I can like spend one month just zoned in on language acquisition, just focused, focused, focused. And then I feel like, hey, after that month, I should be pretty good. You know, then I'll go to the local 7-Eleven, as I said, or a cup of coffee. And really, I'm not kidding you. The guy was just like, bleh. <laughs> like, That's not Chinese. What is that? I didn't study that for the past month. What's bleh, right? And so it's it just like this, this, I just feel like it's so frustrating. I, I, and there's times I feel like giving up. But I, I've learned there's got to be a better way to do this. So what I have learned is, like, it's like climbing Mount Everest. Like, if I go one month, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, from the top all the way to where I am, yes, there's a big distance. But you got to look at where you've been in the past month. You got to identify the evidence of grace. You got you to look at it. You got to praise God for it. You got to be encouraged by it. So just a quick example. Like last Sunday, I, I preached at my mom's church in Mandarin, okay? And then, then afterwards, you know, like I was pretty nervous about it, and my, my mom was coaching me all week, you know? And then my, my mom was like getting a little bit like, oh, you gotta study more and more, and I just felt a little bit of pressure, and I had to like remind her, hey mom, you know, like I'm doing this for God's glory, <laughs> right? Like not to give you face, but God's glory, you know, right? Okay, so, so I, I, I did it. You know, I'm feeling like a little bit, okay, I, I hope that was good. And then um, w- one of my IEs, like Auntie, comes up to me. I, you know, I haven't seen her for so long and knew her since I was a kid. And she comes up to me and goes, hey, Enzu, pretty good. 
Okay, now, I don't know what you would think when you hear that, but immediately I'm like, pretty, pretty good? What, what, what does that mean, you know? What does pretty good mean? I, is, that, is that a B minus or a B, B plus? Like, because if it was really good, then you say, really good, right? What is pretty good? And so I was just I think like, what is that, you know? I think I just got a B minus from my great auntie. But then I thought about it, and I was like, you know something, honestly, honestly, a year ago, maybe two years ago, I would not have gotten pretty good. I would have gotten something like Chinese, no good. You know, something something like that, right? So what is that? That's progress. I don't know, maybe five years ago, oh, wow, very good. You know, I don't know. It's progress. So what I have to do is I have to look at that little bit of progress and I go, you know something? That was God. Thank you, God. I got to stay my mind on what is positive. Why? So I'm encouraged. So I can keep on going for the next month. That's how you do it. You got to look at all the good, all the trustworthy, all the excellent. And you got to praise God for it. And you got to stay encouraged because it's a long road. It's a long road. So that's, that's what Raina and I are doing. It's one of the biggest lessons of Taiwan. We need to stay encouraged. So, so I'll be like, I, you, yeah, like in Taiwan, I, I ride a motorcycle. And um, before, like, Raina was like, oh, no, no, motor. Now she's riding on my back. <laughs> so we're riding the motorcycle. And then there's a, there's a red light. And then I'll, like, you know, face mask up. And I'll turn around and I'll say, hey, Raina, recently... What, what, what are you grateful to God for? And then she's telling, and then, you know, the green light, you know, right? And, and, then, and then she's like in my ear whispering like these couple days, where has she seen some evidence of grace? Okay, now you guys are probably thinking, wow, Andrew, you're such a wonderful husband, right? You were, you're trying to encourage your wife, I'm just trying to encourage myself, you know? She says something positive, I feel encouraged. I'm kidding, it's, it's really mutual. She feels encouraged, I feel encouraged. We're like, okay, let's do this thing. Let's keep going. We need to cultivate joy. If you want to keep on going, for, you need to cultivate, why? Because joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You need that. I need that. Raina needs that. COC needs that. But it's just a little bit, and there's so much more. Yeah, I know, I know. But put your mind, dwell your mind on what is good. Whatever. It's almost like Paul saying, you got to look for it. Whatever, right? You got to search for it. Look for it. It's there. The evidence of grace is there. Look for it. Get really good at identifying it. And get really good at praising God for it. And get really good at being encouraged. Because that's the only way forward. It's the only way forward. So, lesson number two is cultivate joy. Okay, I am running out of time. Okay, I'm going to give you uh, uh, lesson number three really quick. Lesson number three is measure all things through an eternal perspective. Now, maybe this is one of the most eye-opening things when I was looking at Paul... Like, oh my goodness, Paul was consumed about 
this one day when Jesus was coming back and all of us would stand before him in judgment and in glory. And so every day was like, okay, prepare for that day, prepare for that day. Okay, I need to prepare myself. I need to prepare everyone around me. It's about that day, that day, that day. Now, do we live like that? All right, this is a whole message in and of itself, right? Um, But measure all things with an eternal perspective. Okay, I'm just going to go and um, close with my last point. I'm going over time. Some things have never changed. You guys miss me? Look at that. Over time again. Okay. Um, My last point is this. Preach the gospel often, especially... Now, what are the next two words? Can you guess? Gordon got it. To yourself. To yourself. You're like, did you get that from Paul? Well, I got the concept of preaching the gospel often from Paul, yes. But to yourself, that part I got from King David. Okay, forgive me. Um, but I have, a, I have a friend who loves to say, you know, in a given day, you know who you talk to the most? And he'll go around asking people this. And they're like, oh, my spouse, you know, my mom, my roommate. He's like, no, 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 no. And then like prayer warriors would be like, oh, no, I talk to God the most. And he'd be like, no, 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 no. The person you talk to the most is yourself. And a lot of that talk is, you know, condemning or self-justifying. Imagine what might happen if you preached the gospel to yourself. If your self-talk was God's word, imagine the person that you might become. So here is King David going, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Who is he talking to? Not his mom, not his roommate, not even to God. Who is he talking to? Oh my soul, himself. Why is he doing that? Because sometimes your head in truth is here and your heart is over here and there's such a big gap and a lot of times we go with our feelings. And so we need to preach the gospel to ourselves so that our emotions can somehow bridge the gap with where our heads and truth need to be. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves, maybe most of all. So in the beginning of this message, I was telling you about how I would like you know, take the bus to work every morning, right? And I would go like, what am I doing here? And like, I, I feel like in the Bay Area, I was a somebody and now I'm like a nobody. What am I doing here? What, what, what did I do? How did I stay in Taiwan? I would preach the gospel to myself. You know what I would say? I would say the Lord Jesus Christ was the ultimate somebody. He was, he was God in heaven, Angels all around him worshiping. But he emptied himself and became a nobody, a criminal. He died a criminal's death on the cross to cover our sins out of love. And I would, I would preach that gospel to myself. So listen, Andrew, can you follow this Jesus? Can you take his path from, from a very high place to a low place out of love? He is your Lord. And then at the end of the bus ride, I'd be like, yes, Lord, I can follow you. And I'll I'll go and I'll be ready for one day of work. But you know what would happen? The next day on the bus, the same question would come. What am I doing here? And the same answer would follow. 
But sometimes if I would use just, you know, Isaiah 41.10, I'd get, Andrew, Andrew, why are you afraid? Don't be afraid. God is with you. Why are you so, like, depressed and anxious? You have a God. He's going to provide for you. He will help you. He will strengthen you. He will strengthen you with his righteous right hand. So don't be afraid. Get off the bus. Okay, I'm ready. Church family, we have a beautiful, amazing gospel. Preach that gospel very often, but especially to yourself. So remember, remember faith. Remember to cultivate joy. Remember that um, to measure all things with an eternal perspective and preach the gospel, especially to yourself. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for such an amazing model in the Apostle Paul. I thank you that he found in the gospel all these reasons no matter what condition or situation, to have radiant, irrepressible, unflappable joy. Teach us this way. Help us to grab a hold of your joy, to preach the gospel to ourselves, and to stay encouraged so that we can be faithful for the long haul. We need your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.